This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You can go to D-Lo and KC and get some merch right now for 25% off. Uh, no code needed. Just go to D-Lo and KC dot com and order gifts for the loved ones deck the whole family out and d-lo and casey yeah man here um did you have more that you wanted to no i just said we still stuck with that sorry uh sunday night game because it's the cowboys that game trash it's the cowboys and who colts oh they could have flexed the Dolphins. Now the Dolphins yeah, is getting flexed left and out. right. What's, what y'all got? Two two Sunday night games coming up? Yeah, we got the Chargers. They got the Chargers next Sunday night. Then and they took Patrick Mahomes out. Yeah, didn't they take a Chiefs game out? Chiefs think... Broncos though. Oh, well, yeah. all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, what's going on in Denver? Woo. Even you couldn't have thought it would have been this bad. Nah, nah, I didn't. That's bad. I didn't. It's all bad. Well, yeah, uh, we stuck with that sorry Sunday night game. They should have they should have flexed Dolphin Niners in the in the Sunday night. We'll have a whole lot of time to talk uh, football tomorrow because, as Kenny noted, there's one freaking basketball game uh, tonight, and it doesn't involve the Sacramento Kings. Matt George is going to join us coming up here as Batty Thursday continues. <laughs> Matt George closes us out. Uh, I love that. That's the the full on gimmick. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, Kings beat the Pacers last night, one thirty seven to one fourteen. Back-to-back this weekend, man. We've looked at this schedule a couple of times. It's tough. It starts with the Clippers, mm-hmm. uh, who the Kings are going to see for the second time uh, on Saturday. I and hope then they give us that jazz treatment. That was – They played nobody last night. Yeah. Um, and then they're home for Chicago. Mm-hmm. And this then is, they've they're 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 on the road for a pretty lengthy road trip. I don't want to overstate it, but this is a this is a – Semi big weekend for them. It's a, I, I no, I don't. I don't think that's. I, I I think it is a big weekend. I think they. I I will talk about this all the time. I think they got an opportunity. The Clippers are a really good team, yeah. even with Paul George and Kawhi out. We saw what they did against Portland uh, the other night, coming back from. I think they were down like eighteen, came back to win that with Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell and and, and Mar- Marquise Morris and all those guys. Um, but if Paul George is playing or whatever, it's a good team. But I don't know the Kings. The Kings are a good ball club themselves. Mm-hmm. And you've got that game coming off two days rest, you know, more than the traditional one that you've been getting. Yeah. And if you can get that, and then you play it, uh, it's, I know it's a back-to-back, but you come back home, which has finally seemed to turn into, like, an advantage for you the way it should be, where, like, the, I think the team is energized by playing in front of this crowd and playing at home. Sure. So if you can, you know, hey, I know it's talking crazy, maybe man, two and zero this weekend. That would be great. One and one would be cool too, but you got to get one. Yeah, you got to get one of these. Teams. Well, see, that's the that's the thing. We you know we get into these segments of games, and you look at that you know brutal road trip with uh, you know Milwaukee and New York and 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 all of these you know Philadelphia, all of these really tough teams on there, 
and you start trying to project, oh, this could be, a, you know, I know James even said it, and I, I don't, this isn't what he was predicting. He just said, you know, this could be an 0-6 road trip. Any road trip can be 0-6. Mm-hmm. Any road trip could be 6-0. and 0. Like, this is a completely different team than we've seen in years past, and we're still evaluating the team kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we know they're competitive. The question is, will they be able to close out games? Will they have any lapse games? What we know right now for, like, for sure is the sample size of back-to-backs. They have not shot well on the second night of a back-to-back, whether it was... I think it was the Warriors the first time around and the Atlanta Hawks. And you mentioned this earlier when you were talking about that Hawks game. They didn't play bad in the Hawks game. They were right there. That game was very, very winnable for Mm -hmm. them. But in so many of the Lakers games, Cleveland games, those late shots that fell for them, that that ignited them, that got them going, they didn't fall versus Atlanta. They they just didn't drop. And that's the, that's been the theme so far, even though the number of back-to-backs has been pretty limited. That's the theme so so far. They just do not shoot well uh, on the second night. They've got a back-to-back. It's at home. You know, it's against the team that's... They're struggling a little bit. Yeah, right they're now. not, you know, they're not very good. I don't think it's a team that we thought of very highly coming into the season anyways, but it that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. It's a team on your schedule at home on the second night of a back-to-back. I, I'm I'm gonna try not to evaluate, you know, these these road trips and predict and project and do all of that stuff. All I got to do is trust. I know they're gonna be going against a good Milwaukee team. Hey, it, I mean, <laughs> not too many of them. Yo, Milwaukee has bad nights too. Yeah. Um, Chris Middleton coming back tomorrow too. By the way. Oh, it's tomorrow. Yeah. Oh man, Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's that's good. So so Chris Middleton and James Harden will be back. <laughs> For their respective teams by the time the Sacramento Kings get to those cities. Yeah. But you know one thing that I'm seeing um, with this Kings team, and I'm pretty sure everybody is, but the level of respect that they're getting from the rest of the league. Hmm. Last week, or yeah, last week, we talked about KD on the et cetera with our guy, uh, Eddie Gonzalez, who's just out there chopping it up with Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, damn. Okay, yeah, I see you. Yeah. Um, but we talked about, you know, we played the clip of what um, he had to say about playing against the Kings. Mm-hmm. Earlier in the year, Donovan Mitchell. After, he named, like, every player, too. Yeah. That was one of the cool things about the clip is he wasn't just talking about Fox and Sabonis. Like, he was talking about Chemezi Metu. Right, right. You know, it's in a sidebar to that a little bit. You know what was really cool was he in that clip, he went, you know, really in on Kevin Herter. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Herter tweeted it out. And he was like, one of the goats. Thank you, brother. Mm-hmm. And you forget, Kevin Durant is like kind of their OG. Yeah. You know, I mean, they grew up. Kevin Herter yeah. grew up watching Kevin Durant. Sure. And, and, you know, to a certain degree, idolizing his game. And, you know, I can imagine that moment when, you know, a guy that you looked up to for so many years shouts you out in a major way. Like, I just thought that was pretty cool, you know, for, for, for Kevin Herter. But he said that. Donovan Mitchell said what he had to say. Um, uh, Monty Williams the other day. You know, after the game, you know, it's a playoff team right here. It's tough to play in here. I think DeAndre Ayton was like, yo, I, we had to do hand signals. It was so crazy in here and all this stuff. Can I have a minute? Oh, yeah. yeah. What the hell was DeAndre Ayton working out in a towel after that game? <laughs> Did y'all see that video? Like, why are they doing this? This is the second time I've seen this. The last time I saw Devin Booker was working out after a game in his uniform in some slides. What athletic trainer has you out there working out in slides? Why was DeAndre Ayton doing shoulder presses in a freaking towel? Yeah, dude was out there like he was Val Venus. Like, what are we doing? 
didn't see this. Hello, ladies. Like, what are you doing, bro? Why? I don't know. And he's pushing like he's getting clowned for the amount of weight that he's pushing, though I I, I, I get you're not lifting That's heavy not during the deal. season. Yeah. But, like, why is he out there working out in a towel? Like, what are you doing? Who trains like that? And what athletic trainer doesn't look at, hey, bruh, Go put some shorts on. I'm assuming he had spandex on under there. I'm assuming he wasn't just. Just put some shorts on. I'm assuming he wasn't just primo in this thing underneath. But what are you doing? Like, why? I haven't seen that. You got to look it this. up. Look it up right now. This. I don't even know where I saw it, but I'm, 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 I think it was here. Oh, it was after man. the I'm pretty sure it was at the Golden Ones. It was the game here. These dudes out there just. <laughs> just getting their workout in. Like, like that's cool. Like, put some shorts on, bro. Why are you in a towel like, why lifting 275? <laughs> he's in a towel lifting 95 is what he's doing. But, like, what? why, bro? Like, why? <laughs> hey, the funny thing is, this is weird what these guys do sometimes. Because, like, um, it's, it's, I shouldn't say weird. But have you ever noticed that Malik, Malik does it a lot. He's not alone. And let's be perfectly honest. If I was in the NBA, I might do the same thing. Well, these boys put their earrings on before they come to the press conference. You ever notice that? Malik is in his tank top. He just He's in his uniform still, whatever. I, oh, no, hold on. Let me get these earrings here real quick, bro. I mean, I flex. La- last, last, night, last night, TD goes up to talk to uh, Drapes and everything. Yeah. TD, I mean, can, can we get the man in an elevator? Can, please. The man had to run stairs yeah. of the Golden One Center afterwards. He couldn't even talk. The man was out of breath. I feel bad for him. But TD, oh, I got to. I'm on T. Oh, okay, hold on. Let me get these earrings in real quick, big dog. Let me get them in. All right, cool, cool. That's just what they do. I do the same thing. DeAndre Ayton in the towel, though. I don't know what that's all about. I don't. I don't have any explanation for that. Why is he in a towel? Lift did away. you see? Uh, uh, did oh, you here see he it? is. Wait a minute. Why? <laughs> barefoot. <laughs> See, the barefoot thing, I don't mind as much. Like, I get there's a, a technique behind that. At least he's not wearing slides. Like Devin Booker. Hey, Devin Booker scored Devin Booker scored 95 points in the last two games, but he can't play because he slipped doing hamstring curls on a physio ball because he was doing them in Gucci slides. Because apparently our athletic trainer is a jackass. Why is he in a towel? I don't know. Like he just got out the shower. I don't know. I don't know. I wish I was still at the go. Hey, bro, what do you do? You need some shorts? Did someone steal your shorts? Did someone in Sacramento steal your shorts? That's crazy. We'll reset. That's crazy. I heard Matt George does bench presses and towels. I'm not sure. He joins us when we return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. D-Lo and KC. D-Lo and KC continues on ESPN 1320. Batty Thursday concludes here in the go-home hour of D-Lo and KC, fresh off his workout, uh, looking extra pumped uh, after those chest presses. Our man, Matt George, <laughs> host of the Locked on Kings podcast and ABC 10 as well. He brings cookies uh, for Kevin John during halftime. It's very, very nice of you. Uh, Matt, how you feeling today, man? First off, it's the first time anyone has ever said I look pumped. Second off, I didn't appreciate you laughing, Kenny, because uh, that's what people normally do. <laughs> Uh, and, and third off, uh, you and Kevin John bullied me after I brought up a cookie saying that I should have brought up two, which is abusive and I don't appreciate it. As I bull- bullied you because you were eating a hot dog. And then you bullied me on Twitter. Smothered in ketchup. I never get hey. these these things when I go to the game. I guess I never go back to the... Uh, I'm sorry, you're too busy in the Lexus lounge eating like steak and crap. That's right. I don't know what you're talking about. You get steak and I don't get a hot dog. I'm too busy eating lobster with Vivek. (laughs) It's true. I mean, Matt George, don't tell lies. It was (laughs) nice of you to give your seat to 50 Cent since you couldn't be at the game last night. That was kind. Shout out 50. I'm sure people were happy to have him there. Shout out 50, man. If you were there, 50 probably would have been sitting next to me and Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Probably would have been... Been way up there, Matt. You got a chain like fifty? Uh, yes. Um, it keeps my bike from getting stolen. <laughs> Pee Herman's big adventure. He's just got one of them <laughs> chains wrapped around it. Um, Matt, what, what performance last night was was extraordinary. Emotion levels were super high. What's your big takeaway uh, from the Kings beating the Pacers last night? I mean, to me, it was the Kings, I think, did exactly what they needed to do. Like, you take a extremely emotionally charged game, a game that has so many off-the-court storylines that you can't control. But when it comes to 48 minutes on the floor, you kick ass. Like, with the exception of, like, the 5-1 to start and that little push that the uh, Indiana Pacers made in the third quarter, mm-hmm. Sacramento dominated this game. Like, they beyond the introductions for Tyrese and Buddy, they didn't give a damn who was returning. They didn't give a damn what the storylines were. They said, you know what? And, and I tweeted this out, and I, like, I, I think it tells the story of the game from the Sacramento Kings perspective. Stop talking about the trade last year and start talking about this year's team. Like that's how the Sacramento Kings played. I felt last night's game was a statement game, the same way the Kings national TV game over Brooklyn was a statement mm-hmm. game. They got their platform. They dominated the Brooklyn Nets. Last night, not only were they trying to break a three-game skid, a game that I think, and I think, Kenny, you said this too, they they had to have. Mm-hmm. like they, they needed to get that game uh, for a lot of individual and team purposes. On top of that, 
while I'm not saying that everybody was tuning into Kings and Pacers on a Wednesday night, I guarantee you the majority of people that weren't Sacramento Kings fans tuning into that game were tuning in to see Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald torch the Kings because that's mm-hmm. what the narrative has been. Right. It's how could the Kings give up this this player who had this young player, this young star who then goes on JJ Reddick's podcast and goes on and answers all these questions and is very open about how he takes it personally. And then how could you include one of the greatest shooters in the NBA with it? These two are going to go in and torch the Kings. The Kings are foolish. The Kings are silly. The Kings said, you know what? We don't, we don't give a damn about all that. Watch. We're the better team. We're on our home floor. Watch what we do. And they wipe the floor with the Pacers who were just coming off of a big comeback win against the Los Angeles Lakers. So I think the Kings handled their business in a near-perfect fashion. Yeah, man. And one of the things that I was very impressed with with that game last night is, aside from all the you know the storylines and everything else, like you mentioned, it was time to end that skid. And we've said a couple of different times over the last two seasons, hey, don't let you know a two-game losing streak turn into seven or eight or whatever the case may be. And another sign that so far this group isn't the same as teams in the past is they made sure they didn't let that happen. You know, they're like, look, it's at three. I think Domas said it um, after the game. He said, you know, in this league, you lose three in a row. The bottom line is just stop it right there. You've got to figure out a way to get it done. And it just so happened that they were in the midst of this with all the hoopla that was going around with Tyrese and Buddy coming back. But they didn't let that affect their preparation for the game. If anything, it might have heightened it yeah. to go along with, you know, trying to stop the slide. And I've been saying this a number of different times this year. This team doesn't blink, and they didn't blink yesterday. No, and to your point, Kenny, I, I get the sense, too, that this team was disgusted by the 0-4 start, and they weren't going to allow that to happen again. Mm. Like, we're talking about a four-game losing streak. To us, sitting through two nine-game losing streaks in the same season, four games is nothing. To that yeah. team, it was like, now, we started this season 0-4. We know we're way better than that. We've shown we were, a bit, we're way better than that. We just rattled off seven straight. We're not losing four in a row again, especially with two out of the four being in our building again, regardless of who the competition is. So I, I genuinely got the sense, the way that they were talking about that game, the way they were talking after the Suns' loss. Like, I love what DeMontis Savona said after that loss. He said, like, we can't keep losing these games and saying we're so close or saying we're almost there. Like, I, I love that from Domas. He's a man of, of pretty few words, and he usually doesn't talk without having a smile on his face, but I think he hit the nail on the head there. And the Kings played with a sense of urgency in this game. Like They were, they wanted to, uh, Keegan Murray said after the game, they wanted to win this one for DeMontis Sabonis. But more importantly than any of those storylines, more importantly than the, the feel-good, ha-ha, got you round one or round two technically with the Indiana Pacers since the trade, it was, okay, we got to handle our own business here, and we're not going to lose four in a row again. We're not going to let that happen. I, and I thought that was evident in the way they, they carried themselves last night. What did you think of the crowd last night? I know you got a chance <laughs> to talk to people on their way in. What did you think of that? I mean, like, I I can't tell you how many times that I've thought or said to myself, and it's usually during, like, uh, Scott Freshour's fourth quarter um, on your feet pump up. like, And even when that building is, like, 60% full, like, that building gets loud during that pump up, and it could be against whatever opponent on whatever night. Like, that, Kings fans always make noise. And I've, I've said before... Uh, many times, one of my chief concerns when I saw the renderings of the Golden One Center going from Arco was, are we going to lose that, what it was known as Thunder. Arco Thunder, but yeah. that that in, intimate setup, that intimate setting where 
the noise was just on top of you. Now, I haven't heard the Golden 1 Center get to Arco Thunder levels yet. It's probably going to take playoffs in order to get to that. But that building still gets plenty loud. And I'll tell you, if if that Terrence Davis dunk, then alley-oop sequence wasn't the loudest that building's ever gotten in its history, it's got to be number two. And I can't remember what is number one. Maybe DeMarcus Cousins running back out of the tunnel after <laughs> being unejected. Like that might be the only chance at surpassing the volume in there. Uh, so the, the crowd was great. And I said this on my podcast and I stand by it and I said it on Twitter too. You know, the, the Kings went on that big run. They they went on a 9-0 run to stop the Pacers push. The Pacers got within 12 in the third quarter. That 9-0 run started when Sacramento Kings fans went absolutely ballistic when Miles Turner missed two free throws and they won free cookies. <laughs> From that point, the Kings rattled off nine, uh, nine, a 9-0 run. They ended the first quarter on, or that third quarter, excuse me, on a 19-8 to run. By that point, like Buddy and, and Halliburton came out of the game at the two-minute mark left in the third. They didn't come back. The game was over at that point. Yeah. And as much as Malik Monk and Terrence Davis are energy guys that are extremely important to that second unit, I give nobody credit more than I give the Golden 1 Center crowd for starting that run because the energy that they brought during that missed free throw and beyond sparked that push. Well, you know, it's something that I've been dying for for a minute now, and that's, you know, to have this place coming into Sacramento be a tough, a tough task and a tall task for anybody that comes in there. You know, that's what people would say all the time about Arco, you know, way back in the day, you know, in the, in the early 90s. Like, man, it doesn't matter what's going on. You come to Arco, you know, the fans are going to be loud. It's going to be a tough place to play. And they they have that aspect, it seems, going right now. Like I said, we talk about uh, what Monty Williams had to say, what DeAndre Ayton had to say when he had clothes on, and, you know, and, and, <laughs> and what he had to say about not being able to hear and, and all this other stuff. The team is feeding off that as well. The team is now looking at this is kind of what Alvin was talking about last year that he can never get these guys to to understand and to, and to translate. Hey, you got a great home court. You got great fans. Use it to your benefit. Use it as a catalyst and a, and a and catapulting you into playing well. This particular team has seemed to have a grasp on that. They also brought back the cowbell cam last night, which is a staple and must be at every single night because the beat that they play during that is amazing. And it's always started off by the the SNL, uh, Will Ferrell, I Need More Cowbell skit, uh, which is phenomenal. Uh, and then um, I, I don't know, like nobody knew that it was, I guess, like country music night or something <laughs> last night. Like they didn't advertise that at all. And I was like, maybe it's because Indiana is in town, I guess, and and stereotypes or whatever. But it was, I guess, country music yeah, night for no a reason. Great they, night they do... to have country music night when Fifty Cent is there. <laughs> it was so HBCU random and night so confusing. When the Hawks come to Sacramento, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Hawks are in town. Yeah, it works for me. It works for me. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know it was country music night until you Nobody just said it. Did. I was wondering why they were like they did the karaoke thing. I was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Hey, that's a, that was a good song though. It, I forget what it was. I guess I don't know. I don't know the song. Like, and they had the guy answering, "Hey, what song is this?" I was like, "I would have got if Fresh had sat next. I would have gotten all of them." Wrong. I was like, "Bro, I don't know what this is. I have no idea. Absolutely no clue." Um, you think De'Aaron's good? Uh, I think something's going on, and and I I mean, it's not the first time though. Like. De'Aaron has played a lot of his career banged up. 
like yeah. a lot, a lot. And he he takes bumps and bruises all the time with the way he plays and how physical he is and going amongst the trees there in the paint. Uh, he does not look, I think you were saying earlier on the show, D'Lo, like when he's not, it's like making a basketball move. Yeah, when when the whistle's looks, blown, when, the, when play is stopped, he's moving funny. Yeah, he just looks slow. Um, and... I, I wouldn't say I'm, it's concerning necessarily because, again, I've seen De'Aaron play through bumps and bruises. Um, I, I, I Maybe the most concerning part is if you do have to give him a little bit of a rest here, you're about to go on a six-game road trip where you're going to need him damn near every night during that road trip to have a chance at, at coming home and maybe that road trip being 500. So if I were, I, I guess that's where I'd say I was concerned. Um, he just doesn't look like he's as comfortable as he was to start the season. Um, that being said, I don't think there's enough there to really panic or anything yet. But yeah, something's, something's definitely off. It's, he's just not nearly as aggressive or um, physical right now as he's he's been. He really he got going though. I do I do want to give him yeah. like because yeah. where I really know it was the first quarter. It was a couple of timeouts. Like man. I hope my dude's all right. Like I don't even know if he had taken a shot yet. And then I his, think you told me earlier he didn't hit his first shot till he like did three minutes to go in the second. And he had only quarter. taken at that point maybe one or two. Yeah, it's not like he was aggressive and the shot wasn't falling. Like he just wasn't taking them. Yeah, yeah I marked in the second quarter. It was like midway through the second quarter, and he had played ten minutes. It was the third time he had come out of the game. Yeah. He had played ten minutes and was zero for one. And with yeah. a point, which was from the free throw line, mm. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. But then he ended the second quarter on a little bit of a push, and um, I mean, but but you notice like the way he scored, he had that nasty move against Tyrese mm. Halliburton, which was awesome to see. And he got to the basket a couple times, but I mean, he was he was taking jumpers, he was settling for no contact mid range jumpers. Like he just, I'm not saying he's shying away from contact because that's not his game, but he just doesn't seem as willing right now to take it uh take it as strong as he was maybe to start the season. Yeah. Um. I want to get into the Kings overall and what they've got going on, but I want to ask you before we leave the game yesterday, you think this whole Pacers, Kings, Halliburton, Sabonis, Kings fans, Pacers fans, you think it's over now that this game has been played? Um, Or is this something that's going to continue for a long, long time? I think elements of it should be over. The trade itself is definitely not like as, as much as I was joking last night. And I think Jason Jones tweeted it out and I, I retweeted his, uh, his tweet. He was saying like, if the Kings win this, they win the trade, right? It's like, absolutely. Unless they lose, then the trade's still up for uh, up in the air. But like the determining factor to me of this trade will be, and has always been DeMontis Sabonis resigning. Like if, if Sabonis resigns and more importantly, if Sabonis resigns to rejoin a team that is winning, or doing well. I think D'Lo, you said earlier on the show when you're talking about this, like if DeMontis Sabonis re-signs like he likely would if the Sacramento Kings make the playoffs this year, then I think regardless of what the Indiana Pacers are doing, and by the way, I think the Pacers and, and Tyrese Halliburton are going to be just fine. Um, I, I th- at that point, I think the the the, the storylines, the narratives, at least here in Sacramento on that trade is closed. What I do think should be over is I think we should move past the... Um, the ridiculous idea that the Sacramento Kings got fleeced in the trade, the ridiculous idea that the Kings are foolish for giving up Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald and look what the Pacers are doing while not giving any respect or any attention and not even trying to give any attention to what the Sacramento Kings are doing. Um, And at the same time too, 
I think it's time to stop asking Tyrese Halliburton about it. And I, I asked Tyrese after the game, I was like, hey, now that this game has been played, like, do you just want you just want to be a pacer, let the Kings be the Kings and not be asked about anymore? And I thought he gave a really honest Tyrese Halliburton answer. And he said, like, I don't know what you want me to do. If I'm asked about it, I'm not going to be rude. Maybe I should do a better job shutting the questions down. But I get the sense that maybe it also comes after a beatdown. But I, I get the sense that he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Um, and and hopefully he's stopped being asked about it. But at the same time, too, you kind of reap what you sow. And he, he talked a little bit of smack. And then when he made his return to Sacramento, he got smacked. So, um, I, I mean, I understand the narratives and I understand trying to kind of stir up the drama. We love it here in the media. It helps us on our talk shows and things like that. But I think that element of the trade, Kenny, I think we can we can move on from. Like, we don't have to talk about the emotions behind it anymore. Let's just see what both teams do and let's see if the Sacramento Kings, who have more to lose, I think, let's see if the Kings can actually pull it out. I hope it is over, guys. I like Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's a, a great young man and a great ball player. And... I, you know, like I said, it, it helps us out. We're in a, it gives us something to talk about. But I don't like the whole who got the better of it all this stuff. Man, just let, let him do great things for that team. Sabona's doing great thing, things for this team. And both of them just be, be great. You know what I mean? Like, and when, and when they, when they come back to town or they're in, in, in each other's, you know, cities or whatever, hey, big ovation for Tyrese. He's back, man. You're doing great out there in Indiana. Not any kind of hostile. Like I joke on here, I'm not you know serious with no kind of uh, under undertones or you know. Oh, he said this on this podcast, so you know I'm gonna remember. Like, man, let that man live, man. He's he's doing great out there. He's a great young ball player. Well, and also like JJ Redick and Gilbert Arenas can forgive me, kiss my ass. Like I, like they the way that they act. With this, like JJ Redick put out this tweet today, like, "Oh, Sacramento, I see you in my mentions. I'm I'm happy for you, but I ain't paying attention to you, or I don't I don't care about you." Like these are two guys, and Gilbert Arenas, what he said with um, uh, he no said sign. on a, 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 yeah, he said on a podcast recently. It was like, yeah, I don't I'm not caring about Sacramento. Sacramento, who who's Sacramento? What where is he? Like these guys are. It's like real middle school insecure bully energy. Of it's cool to not pay attention to what the Sacramento Kings are doing. Yet you call yourself basketball commentators that are only going to speak on one side of a trade, but not pay attention to the other side and then act like it's cool not to. Like also, like I, I expect that. So I don't blame Tyrese Halliburton for how J.J. Redick has handled himself and how Gilbert Arenas or anybody handles themselves when talking about this trade necessarily. But Tyrese also took the interview. Tyrese also said what he said. He has to wear that. I think he has worn that. And in that case, in that sense, I think it's time for both sides to move on and just let the basketball do the talking. And I think J.J. Redick is good. Like, Gilbert Arenas is the most insignificant human being in basketball to me. Like, <laughs> I don't care what Gilbert Arenas thinks about anything. Um, but J.J., I do. Like, I like J.J. Redick. I think mm-hmm. he's very, very good. But when you say things like, oh, I see you're in my mentions. I'm happy for you. I'm not paying attention to you. Why would I listen to anything you have to say moving forward? Right. Like, unless it's the the Lakers, which your network just spends hours upon hours, 27 hours a day, talking about, or it's, you know, a Brooklyn Nets situation involving Kyrie Irving or, or, or Giannis, why would I take your comments on the Cleveland Cavaliers seriously? Right. Why? How, how, how do I know you just didn't, you know, cram a bunch of game film an hour before your hit and started talking about them? Or are you just talking generic talking points? When you say stuff like that, you immediately discredit yourself. Mm-hmm. It is very literally your job to know professional basketball and the teams in it. You don't have to be tuned in to, look, the, the Rockets are out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
We know that. They're done. Detroit Pistons are probably at it. You need to know a little bit about those young guys there, though. Right. But I'm not paying attention to you, Sacramento. Okay, cool, man. I'm not paying attention to you either. Right. That's the ridiculous part of it. If the Kings were 3-17, and 17, yeah, there's no need to really watch the – I can understand that. But, hell, Utah, I don't really have any interest in Utah, but when they were 12-3, and three, I was like, I got to check this out. I got to see what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's, that's our job. And not even really our job, but they're on a national level. They're supposed to look at everything. So if a team is playing well and one of the stories of the early season – and you're still sitting up here talking about, oh, I'm not going to watch. I mean, like you said, like, well. It's like right. if, if the three of us were like, I'm not paying attention to the Kings. <laughs> Who the hell is paying attention to us? Right. Well, uh, But take that a step further. It's like, I'm not paying attention to the Kings, but I'm going to take a storyline that the Kings are involved in, actively talk about the. Excuse me. <laughs> that slipped. YouTube and Twitch are going to love this. I wow. caught it, but damn, Matt. Sorry, Jesse. Sorry. Deuce? Why is Go it away. us? Like, what? what is... Do I... Sorry. This is literally a television personality. <laughs> Put my towel back on. Sorry. I got a little too... That was an all... I love you, There's some McQueen in here. <laughs> that was an all. That was an all-time moment that was right an there. All-time. I know. <laughs> Fired up, Matty George. Matt's been drunk on the show and hasn't done that. Oh man! But gotta love it. But point taken. Yes. <laughs> point yes. Taken. Absolutely. Woo. Well, thanks for joining us, Matt. We, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. I look forward to uh, not being on again. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Pacers behind us. Tyrese behind us. All of that stuff behind us. Let's look at the the entire the twenty game stretch. They're eleven and nine overall. Far more positives than negatives. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, to, like. All of the. Are you okay? All, Do you need a minute? I'm scared. I'm scared of everything now. I'm scared to hear myself speak. I'm scared to breathe. Like I'm making sure I'm going to speak like you're this, my my son. This has been a really um, traumatic day for Dilo and Casey. Guess like Olivia is the only one who just made it through with no problems. I'm sweating it's, profusely it's, now. Buddy, it uh, happens. It's 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 very it's a very regular occurrence here on this show. It's all right. I'm like Miles Turner at the free throw line last it's, night. I don't want to give nobody no more cookies. Um, no. Uh, Absolutely, it's it's way more positives than negatives. Like to say, if if I had gone back to the start of the season when we were analyzing the schedule and people were saying, "Man, I see three and seven as a real possibility," then the Kings go zero oh and four, and you're like, "Oh Lord, here we go!" Like to say they're eleven and nine through twenty games. Take all context out of it. If we're saying that there's a party happening in Sacramento, mm-hmm. and and rightfully so, there is. It just happens that now we added a beam to it, which makes it even more cool. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I absolutely, there's way more positives than negatives. And and Kenny, you were talking about the three point shooting earlier, and I absolutely love what you said because yeah, we expect the defense to be a struggle. Like we expect that to be a problem. And yeah, they need to get better defensively, and hopefully they will still get better defensively to where like if this team defensively can just get middle of the pack. They're a playoff team. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about a playing team. They're a top six seed. If this team is a middle of the pack uh, team defensively, Now that's a big ask to go from 
bottom of the league to middle of the league. That's a lot of spaces to jump up, even with the offense as good as it is. But like, if if the Kings are struggling offensively, if they're going away from their identity, which I agree with you, is the three-point shooting and things like that, uh, then that's that's where the concern is. And when you look at how this team is gelling, you look at what Malik Monk is doing, you look at what Shemezi Metu is doing, you look at the fact that the Kings won again and they got nearly 60 points from their bench again mm. last night. Mm. De'Aaron Fox played really, really well to start the season and the Kings kind of struggled. De'Aaron Fox is just playing okay to good now and the Kings are fine. They're able to weather that storm like, and everybody's buying in. Like, What's there to be upset about, honestly? Yeah. Let's talk about that bench a little bit. I mean, mm. what they – I thought – I don't want to say they turned the game, um, but between Monk and TD offensively and what Davion and KZ were able to do on the defensive end, I thought they injected a little bit of energy into into the gameplay of the Sacramento Kings, along with yes. Harrison Barnes and DeMontis. They did great while they were out there. But, man, it, it really seemed to swing when those four guys were out there on the court. I mean – these guys, the sensationals, these guys are they, – they are changing games with their play, and they're a wild card factor. TD, when he's on, if, if he's clicking, the Kings are even that much harder to play against. Malik Monk, he's doing it every single night at this point. What do you see from this bench, man? And, and do you think – we ask this question all the time with this, this Kings team. Do you think it's sustainable for these guys off the bench to produce at the level that they are? I think it absolutely is because I don't think any of them are playing out of their mind. Like, they're playing within themselves. They're just being themselves. Like, uh, Kenny, you could probably speak to this better than I can because you're you're a former Hooper. Like, I can't imagine being a a defender, right, and facing De'Aaron Fox and the best Kings lineup or the Kings starting lineup that features the majority of their best players, dealing with the physicality of DeMontis Sabonis, dealing with all this for six, seven, eight minutes to open up a game, and then the bench comes in and they're more aggressive and more physical and more athletic. It's like, can I take, where do I take a break? Right, right, like, where do I right. stop? Like, it, it just keeps going. It's relentless. And then you have to rely on your bench to come in and try and match that energy. And the reality is there aren't too many people, there aren't too many benches in the NBA that can come in and match what Tyrese, or excuse me, what um, Malik Monk and Chemezi Metu and Terrence Davis and Davion Mitchell are doing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not saying that means those four guys could be starters on other teams. That's not the point. It's not how good they are. It's how they play. Yeah. That being said, they're also playing really good. And, and I mean, Malik Monk is really, really good. And again, this is not like he had 30 points the other night and I didn't feel like he was playing out of his mind. He was mm-hmm. just really, really good. And again, this is not like he had 30 points the other night and I didn't feel like he was playing out of his mind. He was mm-hmm. just playing solid he was playing aggressive he was attacking the basket he was showing off a layup package that honestly we haven't seen by a sacramento king since tyreek evans Mm. like he was showing an ability to finish around the rim which i think you guys know this from watching film of him in in kentucky like that was his game in kentucky he's been labeled a three-point shooter in the nba but attacking the rim he attacked the rim just as much if not at times more than De'Aaron fox did when they were together at kentucky so he's capable of showing this off and i thought brendan nunez nunez asked a fantastic question after the Suns game Malik was at the podium and he said like you're sure I mean he had eight assists or something that night he said hey you're like you're showing this passing ability is are you surprising yourself with this or are you just now getting the opportunity to show this and Malik was like no I've I've 
this has always been a part of my game. I just have the chance to do it now. And I'd like to thank Mike Brown for giving me that opportunity. Right. Like that speaks volumes to me. And he's showing that by the way he plays and his energy is being matched. Like I remember how much, how big of a talking point it was on locked on Kings about when the Kings drafted Davion Mitchell. Oh, Davion brings that defensive energy. Oh, well, the Kings are going to have to match what Davion's doing defensively. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have Malik Monk who plays with this energy off the bench Davion matches that with his defensive energy. Chemezi Metu matches that with his aggressiveness on the glass and always wanting to catch a body. And then Terrence Davis last night, whether he's hitting threes, picking up technical fouls, or people forget, like Terrence Davis tried to murder a man going for a tomahawk dunk on the baseline that had he done that, I don't think Golden One Center would have survived. Like we (laughs) all were ready. There were half the people out of their seats in the media section expecting him to pull that off. So like that, the the energy that that bench brings, if I'm an opponent trying to handle that, as much as I game plan for them and look at like a, a, a scouting report, when I'm actually facing that energy after having to guard De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, and the rest of that starting lineup, Kevin Herter, like I'm exhausted. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine having to deal with that for 48 minutes. And, and the real quick, Dame, that's a great point that you bring up because um, a lot of the times when I watch these other teams, the, the Blazers or the Suns the other night, uh, you know, the Warriors. Remember when we were at the Warriors game and I said, all right, Steph is out. This is when you got to yeah. cut into the lead and get it yes. down. Da, 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 yeah. da. With the Kings, like, what you going to do? All right, Fox is out. This one, No, this might not be when you cut into the lead because Malik Monk might, might go off or Terrence Davis might go off. And like you talked about, Matt, that constant pressure mentally on the other team of, like, not getting any rest, that's, that's something that I think the Kings are starting to figure out and use to their benefit. And Devin Booker's playing out of his mind right now, but look what it took. Like Phoenix is a really, really good basketball team. Sacramento had their fair share share of chances to win that game in Sacramento, but Devin Booker played all but seven minutes. Like that's what they needed, and he dropped forty four. Now they got other like was it Damian Lee that that came alive from three point range at the end, and good for him. Like you forced another guy to beat you, and the Suns are a good team. They were able to do it, but Devin Booker had to play forty one minutes of that game because. There's no rest. There's no break from the Kings standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a sign of a good team that I think is only going to get better. Like to me, the bench is playing really, really well now. Now they could probably improve a little bit, but the starters can get significantly better. Whether it's De'Aaron playing more like himself, Keegan Murray figuring things out. We've seen mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes, what he's capable of doing when he's on. Like it's easy to see how good this team is now and how they can improve, even if I still think it's going to take a while to get that improvement. And Trey Lyles has been out the last couple of games. And you, yeah. know, you talk about uh, uh, Davion and the energy that he brings, man. But it was – and I don't know why this was the case last night. Obviously, we've, we've seen it all season. But for me, and maybe it was just the flow of the game or the way that I was watching it, it was glaring to me that Casey Akpala needs to be on the floor for the Sacramento mm-hmm. Kings. He was so good defensively. And, you know, Deuce and Mo brought this point up earlier, like 100% for sure. But how? Like, how, how how do you get him out there? Because Trey Lyles has had moments where, you know, Trey Lyles has played really well in what's been asked him. Obviously, we see Tremezi Metu in the way that it's, it's hard to find a place for him. But, man, when he's out there, what he does on the defensive end really, really stands out. I think it's an extremely difficult position for Mike Brown to be in, in the sense that, like, I look at, at, at Casey Akpala at times as almost like an ace up your sleeve. Like, okay, you're, you're really, you have a player that's rolling. You have a player that's playing very well. Boom, KZ, go and make him work. Like, in almost the same way, if it's a guard, 
Davion, go and make him work. Yeah. Like it's a valuable card to have, except you're also dealing with a, a human being who wants to play more. And it's hard to sell them on the idea that you're going to sit on the bench a majority of the time. But when I need you, you're my specialist, but I don't need you enough for you to play consistently. Like that's, I don't even know how you manage that position and credit to Casey Akpala for still having the work rate that he's had to stay ready. And I thought, I thought the Boston Celtics game, even though that game was the first and really only blowout loss the Kings have had, like that was the game that Casey Akpala reminded everybody. No, like I was starting because of my defense Mm. and this is why, like, this is what I can do. Uh, So I agree with you. Casey Akpala deserves playing time. I don't know how, I don't know what a consistent rotation spot looks like for him because of the uh, amount of already good rotation players on this roster, which you can say is a good problem to have, and it is. It's a bit of a cliche to say that. I think the real problem is keeping a player like that who is so valuable, who does all the hard, dirty, gritty energy work to keep giving that effort while not rewarding them with a consistent spot. Like that, that sounds like a nightmare to deal with as a coach, but if anyone can handle it, it's Mike Brown. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's handled a lot so far, man. He's done a, a great coaching job with this group so far. And he's done it in socks while, <laughs> he's uh, done it in socks. <laughs> while uh, campaigning for Malik Monk as uh, a potential six man of the year candidate. It's obviously, tw- I mean, twenty games isn't that young into the season, but you, you know, we're going to start looking at all star stuff. We were talking about Tyrese Halliburton, you know, being an all star. I think more so for the Kings than Tyrese. It's going to depend on, you know, kind of where the Kings are when coaches start to vote. Um, I think Sabonis has a real chance of being an all star. I mean, obviously Fox does as well. Uh, he'll, he'll, he, you know, you don't want too many more lulls in his game. Uh, he's he's going to have to be strong, but I, I think Sabonis has been incredible, and I I just keep phrasing him as like the center of the Kings universe on the offensive end. Like Devonta Sabonis is the center of their universe. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I I want Sabonis to be more aggressive. Like, and and it's weird because I thought he kind of tried to set the tone, and I think Deuce and Mo were talking about this last night on on Night Chat, like. Very early in this game, DeMontis Sabonis went coast to coast and went right at Miles Turner uh, and, and and scored, and, and that helped kind of set the tone for the Kings a little bit. He also had like a, a spin move kick out to a corner three that was missed. Yeah. That was like, okay, that would have been a real kind of fire starter for Sacramento. But like he, he went 8 of 10 in the loss uh, to the Phoenix Suns. 80%, that's phenomenal. But on a night where De'Aaron Fox is struggling, like shoot more. And I, I don't remember what his his line was last night, but he still shot an extremely efficient. He was like six of eight or something. I don't know. Sabonis, I don't, I don't five, of five of nine. Five of nine. Yeah, nine. like DeMontis Sabonis, I know, is such a willing passer. He's such a team player, and he is the foundation, literally the foundation of Mike Brown's offense right now. But DeMontis Sabonis deserves more than 10 shots a game, yeah. right? Like, get DeMontis Sabonis to 15. Like, yeah. and, and I know the NBA is going away from on the block post up opportunities and and you use him more in like the high post and the pick and roll and the handoffs and things like that. And all the, the movement action that the Kings run, give my man a couple of mismatches off of switches and let him work on the block a couple of times a game. Cause he can give you four to six points a night, just in two to three possessions on the block. And if a double team comes all the better, cause you have so many shooters around him that can take advantage of that. So I would like to see DeMontis maybe trying to call his own number a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That being said, 
if he's not bothered by it, I guess I shouldn't be. That pass on the break to Keegan was sick. Oh, man. The little Euro bringing back over, dumping back through. That was nasty. DeMontis Sabonis brings the ball up a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. And I like it. And, mm-hmm. and he doesn't just, like, dribble it up. He pushes. Yeah. And the Kings trust him to push it. Like, that's that's really unique because I know Jason Jones used to always call it Tragic Bronson. The Sacramento <laughs> Kings used to have plenty of bigs in the past that would try and do that. I know Willie Cauley, Willie Cauley Stein wanted to do that, and it always went horribly to where you could hear everybody in the crowd yelling, give the ball to your point guard. <laughs> Sabonis can do it, and it's great when he does it. You worried about your, your rookie? Uh, no, I'm more worried about dropping another F-bomb on the air. Uh, that's, well, there's uh, that. yeah, there's, there, yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I think Keegan's fine. Like, to me, where I would be concerned is if Keegan was in a funk like he's in and he was forcing his way out of it. Like, I don't mm-hmm. see Keegan Murray playing that much different to how he played to start the season, except the shot's not falling. Now, he has had a couple of... of decisions. He had a couple of decisions in the in the Suns game that I didn't like. One was he was attacking the rim. And DeAndre Ayton met him at the rim, to be mm-hmm. fair. And we know DeAndre Ayton's a, a pillar. And instead of trying to go strong and go through the contact to draw a foul, he tried to like avoid it and go around it. And DeAndre Ayton smacked it. Mm-hmm. Like, just said, get out of here. And and I think Mike Brown has talked about, like, he wants Keegan Murray to attack and be more aggressive. Go through somebody. Keegan's big enough. Keegan's strong enough. Like, he doesn't have to shy away from contact all the time. So, And then he, he kind of settled for a couple mid-range jumpers at times. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. Like you're, you're, you're more skilled than settling for stuff like that. So there are a couple of decisions where I think maybe sometimes the Kings and the way that they're playing has some somewhat left him in the dust a little bit. Like he needs to catch up. And to be honest with you, this Kings team doesn't have time to wait for him. Like they don't, they have to win and it's either keep up or, or, or sit down. But I agree with something that Kenny said earlier, like he's starting now. And unless he's playing horrible, which he's not, you, you can't take him out of the starting lineup only to put him back in five games from now when he figures it out. I think this road trip is going to be big for him because he's figured things out at home. On the road, though, the Kings are going to need him. At some point during this six-game Eastern Conference road trip, you best believe they are going to need Keegan Murray, and I think he's hopefully ready for that. He's a professional broadcaster, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Not George, today. <laughs> ABC 10, Locked on Kings, uh, and uh, we're a professional broadcast as well, I believe. And we are done for the day, and I, I'm, I'm – I'm, Mostly happy that you're back. Go Blue. Uh, it's Tilo and KC. <laughs> we'll see you guys tomorrow at noon uh, here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Wow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 